We're back with another Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, we have a special guest. We're catching up with the legendary Hall of Fame quarterback, Fran Tarkenton. Welcome back to Skull Stories presented by 3M. Tonight's guest is the legendary quarterback who led the Vikings to three Super Bowl appearances during their decade of dominance. He's a pro football Hall of Famer, one of the 50 greatest Vikings, a former league MVP and nine-time Pro Bowler. Nowadays, he lives in the Atlanta area and helped motivate our squad over the weekend before their incredible 31-28 victory over the Falcons. Without further ado, please enjoy tonight's conversation with Vikings legend Fran Tarkenton. Hall of Famer Fran Tarkenton, it's always great to catch up with you, my friend. Uh, Man, oh man, I idolized you as a kid, and here we are talking how many years later, but it's great to catch up with you, and uh, what great timing, because this past weekend in Atlanta with the Vikings down there, I know you gave the the team a little message before the game at the hotel on Saturday night. You also, before we talk about what happened on Sunday, for obvious reasons, you brought a special memento for your speech. What did you bring, and and, and why did you bring it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, these players in there, you know, they're no different than we were in our era. So I understand that. But, uh, you know, I'm older than their grandfather, so I don't know how much they know. <laughs> but I know the kind of language they want to hear and the, the, the type of stuff. When you play my era, this era, you're in a cocoon all your season because it's just you and the guys and, and the coaches and the trainers and so forth trying to get get every week, get your – best game out and so forth. So I, I, I don't lecture anybody anything. I tell stories. So I thought I'd tell them the story of our first game that we played as mm-hmm. the Viking back in September of 1961. And, of course, that game, for, for people listening here, and most of them weren't alive in 1961. But, you know, we were a new franchise team, which meant that the team uh, is all brand new, new coaches, new owners, new everything. And the way we got our players, the rest of the teams in the league had a 40-man roster, and they could freeze 34 of those people we couldn't touch, but we could go and get three of their top bottom six players, which is, of course, none of them could play, mostly. (laughs) And so that's why expansion teams never won. Uh, And the Dallas Cowboys the year before didn't win and so forth. And so we we were playing the Chicago Bears, and we we were playing against George Halasco. These guys... Two of them in the room the other night knew who George Alice was. <laughs> wow. But of course, for your listeners, George Alice uh, uh, was the not only the coach of the Bears, he was the general manager of the Bears, and he was the owner of the Bears, <laughs> and he started the National Football League, and he cheated. I'm saying that nicely because he got the best players all during the 40s and all the 50s. He had the best players. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we were 28-point underdogs. We played five exhibition games, got beat, and all. I mean, we back in those days, we tried to, we could, we could do that. And so uh, Van Brocklin was our coach, and you guys know that we didn't get along. But in that day, we no. did get along because he was a brilliant, brilliant offensive mind. And so he told me I was going to start the game, and I said, I said, well, great. And so I said, but I want to come to your house, and I want to watch film of the Bears because – quarterbacks we called our own plays back then and so i want i want you to teach me and coach me and mentor me and get me prepared and he did when i got went to the field on sunday to play against the bears i was prepared i i knew what to do i don't care if it was 21 don't care what i was and then as we got to the to the kickoff he says to me ah, i'm not gonna be able to play you today i said <laughs> why 
He said, because we got George Shaw, he gave a number one draft to He's a veteran player and he needs, he deserves a chance. And I, I didn't really have much sympathy for that. And I said a pretty couple of unsavory words and walked out. We come and we play the game and we play the first quarter and we don't, we're behind three to nothing. We hadn't made a first down. Uh, he, at, at the end of the first quarter, about 10 minutes left, he put me in. And so I completed 17 and 21 passes for 237 yards. I threw for four touchdowns and ran mm. for another. We beat him 37-13. And so my, the players, the Vikings, they were going crazy. I was using a little bit more uh, racy uh, language uh, <laughs> to those guys. <laughs> and, and they enjoyed that. And so that's kind of how we did. And it was kind of, and they all got fired up. They all were just, they were just going crazy. And uh, and I, that's what I wanted them to do. I wanted them to get the feeling that you know, you you, you got you got the whole history of the Vikings right here picking you up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very special. And uh, I didn't think after our quarterback that we had come in, you know, he plays really good for about four minutes, gets concussed, and he can't play anymore. We're bringing the other guy in. Who's a terrific young man. He's from Atlanta, and uh, you know, and and he played for Tennessee, and he threw he threw the hail mary game against my Bulldogs to beat us in Sanford <laughs> Stadium, and but he's been in camp for five five days. There's no way impossible for him to do what he did. It just couldn't do it. And I'm gonna tell you who was key to that. Our little head coach, Kevin is such a good offensive coordinator himself. He deserves every bit of the credit that uh, the young quarterback did. He deserves every bit Dobbs, because yeah, he, yeah. he couldn't have done it without Kevin. He could not have done it without Kevin. But even with Kevin, it was impossible, but it happened. Fran, you mentioned the connection that uh, head coach Kevin O'Connell had with uh, Josh Dobbs as this game progressed on Sunday and how he had to talk into his helmet and give him the, 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 the snippets of play calls that he had to kind of figure out for himself. Much different situation. I'm trying to figure out, because you didn't have a, a radio headset. When Jerry Burns was giving no, you the well, plays, were you, and you were drawing no, him in the dirt no, at Met Stadium. No, no, he wouldn't give me the plays. No. I called the plays. Right, well, then. <laughs> I called the plays. But Burnsy, Burnsy and I put the offense in together. And I've and and so we did that on Mondays and Tuesdays, and it was great. And, but on game day, I got a, you know the coaches didn't call the place. Tom Landry did, mm-hmm. and Paul Brown did, but certainly nobody else did. So once I got the game plan, and I'm I'm part of putting the game plan together with Van Brocklin and later with Bernsey. I'm not saying it was the most effective way to do it, but the only team that didn't call the plays was Dallas Cowboys. Was Landry? He called the plays. And Paul Brown, when he was coaching the Cleveland Browns, he called the plays by sending in a guard. Other than that, quarterbacks called the plays. Yeah, you guys. Uh, um, that's an amazing. Uh, it's an amazing responsibility that you guys had. You guys had, but it, you had to have. Uh, it had to get. You had to learn the game at a different level in that respect, right? I mean, you you knew that game as well as as anyone. Yeah, but I but I you know it, 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 as I told the, the two young quarterbacks the other night, I said, man. You were great high school players. You were great college players. This game is no no different. You're just up another level. It's not like I've, we've they they have never played football before. They, they have all their life, and I had all my life. I just you know, but you got to like anything else. You got to prepare, 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 prepare to make sure you know exactly what defenses they're in, what coverages they're in, and and if you have a play that's been called, you know you got to change it when you see a coverage that's 
that's a mismatch for you, and you do that, and then all of a sudden you got to take a snap and go back, and then within two seconds the world's busting up. And you got people all over the place, and you got to find the right receiver at the right place and deliver the ball and step around two or three big old defensive linemen to make sure that you can get the ball off. It's a most difficult position to play in all the sports, and that's what made this incredible. And Kevin deserves just as much uh, credit as Josh. I mean, him to be able to communicate with Josh to, so he understood. But understand this this quarterback of ours there, he went to school here. He's a genius. I mean, he mm-hmm. is he is a rocket scientist. I mean, this guy's got great brain. Thank God he did because, <laughs> as, I, as I've told people, it was impossible what he did, but he did it. So now that the hype has changed from uh, what happened on Sunday to the reality of him starting again against the Saints here on Sunday, what advice would you have for the young man and for just kind of taking a deep breath, um, obviously learning the playbook, getting to know his teammates for the first time, and settling into the best of what Josh Dobbs? Because he's bounced around. He's been with a, bu- a bunch of different teams. Obviously started eight games for Arizona. Uh, but what, what, what can he do to kind of settle himself down and kind of get into a rhythm now? Well, it's not that easy. I mean, obviously the young man has not been a great pro. If you've been quarterback on six different teams in two years, they all think you can't play. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully this gives him some, uh, some confidence, but also the offensive coordinator makes a difference. The, the system that you're working makes a difference. And Kevin's system, I don't think any other any other could have could have gotten this out. So now, you know, just because he did great next week, you know, a lot of people are one game wonders, right? But I think he's got, you know, with with Kevin there and the and the talent we have there, I I think he has a good chance to be a really good player. And I think the other guy, that's our fifth round draft choice that started mm-hmm. the game, he played really well yeah, he for did. four or five sure. minutes there yep. before he got knocked out. But but I think they both. But here's what they got. they've got to understand. They've got to be themselves. They cannot be uh, Fran Tarkett and Roger Staubach, Joe Montana. They got to be themselves, mm-hmm. and they got to learn, and and they got to prepare, and 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 be mentored, and get a good understanding. But it's they 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 should not try to be something that's not. And that's for all of us. But we're uniquely individuals. And a quarterback, and and you you get all the feedback from this and that. I just want Josh. I just want him to be himself, and that's plenty good enough. Uh, you don't have to be somebody else. You can learn from the mentors and the coaches and the experience, but it's got to be inside of your heart and guts. Stick around for more Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back with more from Fran Tarkington right after this. Heading to a game at U.S. Bank Stadium this season? Try the all-new Vikings-inspired beer from Hop Valley Brewing. Crafted for the fans who bleed purple, Hop Hala Hazy IPA is a game-day grog fit for Valhalla. Welcome back to tonight's edition of Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. From the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit vikings.com slash science to learn more. Now let's get back into our conversation with the one and only Fran Tarkenton. Uh, Pete Bursich and Mark Rosen talking with uh, Hall of Famer Fran Tarkenton. Fran, talk about being yourself. You got to be yourself on Saturday Night Live, <laughs> from what I heard. And this is, I did not, I was not aware of this, but... Uh, Gilda Radner, Belushi, Dan Aykroyd. Tell us about 
that experience? Well, I we we just lost a Super Bowl game to the Oakland Raiders in the Col- in the L.A. Coliseum, and so I'm 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 called to go be the first host of Saturday Night Live. I didn't know what Saturday Night Live was. You know, I didn't know John Belushi and Aykroyd and and the women there. I had no idea. I'd never done anything like it. So I go go there and we re- we do the rehearsal for two or three days before, and then we go out. And so I said, I I know I, I I'm not a actor. So I got John Belushi to go and 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 I said I want you to do my, these skits that I've got to do and I want to see you tell me how you would do them. I cannot be you, but I can learn from you. And that's what happened. I I got mentored, I got coached by all of them, and then I was myself. And it 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 uh, and it worked out and I was the first guest host of Saturday Night Live, so I was in most of the skits for 2 hours and and uh, it worked out. What an, what an experience. You know, your good friend Bob Hagen was just showing me uh, a little bit of videotape when you also were hosting a show that I watched many, many times. That's incredible. And you had a, a, a young kid by the name of Tiger Woods sitting on your lap. I think he was four or five years old. What do you recall about yeah, that? Well, uh, we, it was a, it was an interesting show. There's nothing like it on television before. It was on Monday night on, I think, ABC. Mm-hmm. And there again, I didn't know how to do all that stuff. <laughs> so I had to be coached and mentored by, by those people uh, to be able. And so we had about a five year run and it was a lot of fun because it was out of my comfort zone. Right. So I, I, I still got to be me, right? I can't be, but I gotta, I gotta understand how to deliver whatever I'm going to deliver. So, uh, that was a great experience, a great learning experience for me, a lot of fun. And uh, and I, I learned a lot from it. Yeah, I, mean, I can't even imagine sitting there with with Tiger Woods on your lap at that time <laughs> and seeing what that you know that young man became. He was four. He was four years. He was yeah. four years old, and and his, his dad, uh, uh, you know, coached him. And he, I mean, he we we had him hitting golf balls there on the, the floor. He he coached him. He hitting golf balls at four years old, and in his in his basement, his dad coached him. And I thought that would be probably a bad deal. Because most times when the parent gets mm. so involved with the child, it doesn't work out. So John Davis asked me, "You think this kid will ever be anything?" I said, "He has no chance because his <laughs> father's too." I was I, now another good thing about it. I don't mind saying I'm wrong. I was totally wrong. This father of Tiger Woods was a great. He was great talent, but Tiger learned from his father. I mean, he got through to Tiger Woods. And without his father, Tiger Woods would not have been Tiger Woods. No, Fran, we did a I did an interview or with Keenan McCardell, who's a wide receiver coach here, played in the league a long time, and he was discussing yeah. Justin Jefferson. And what's interesting to me is he, what he said was great players want to be coached. And I'm listening I'm listening to you and everywhere you've gone, everything that you've done, it's been number one, you wanted to be coached. You wanted to be you know, told, just learn, right? So be coachable. And then the second part of it is be yourself. And it seems like this has been something that served you well throughout your entire career, not just being a quarterback, but, you know, getting in the media and everything else. You've got to be authentic. The only way you can be authentic is to be yourself. I tell all the people in my companies around here, they're all great young people. I say, number one, you got to do the right thing. Well, well, I try to do the right thing. No, no, you cannot try to do the right thing. You know what the right thing is. You do the right thing. And it starts with that. And it starts with liking yourself and understanding that you're uniquely different from anybody else that's ever been born. But in order to learn, you've got you've to you've get better every day. I'm at 80. I'm trying to get better every day 
to be able to serve my customers better every day and to build businesses every day and to do the right thing. And and that's the fun of it. That's the fun of it. In football and sports, like, you know, that, that, that that's really, you know, you, you play now 17 games a year. We play 14, then 16 games a year. And it's a winner and a loser, right? Uh, and, and in business, thank God, if you, you know, there can be a lot of winners. Uh, and, and, and if you're good enough and, and, but so, but the, the toughest thing, you got 32 teams, you know, you think of it. We went, we went to four Super Bowls in the first 11 years. Mm-hmm. We haven't been back since 1977. Yeah. <laughs> how, right. how hard is this, right? It's hard. You have so many uh, great memories, so many great teammates. Uh, we could talk about all day. We could do a you know three-hour show on uh, yep. the people who meant so much to you. But maybe you could give us one or two just to kind of, whether it's the captain, Jim Marshall, or uh, yeah. Alan, or Chuck Foreman, well, Ahmad Rashad. Yeah. You can go on and on and on. But, I mean, well, what? the first first thing, having being coached by, by Bud and by Jerry Burns mm-hmm. was a life changing experience for me and i came to be with them when i was 31 years old right and they they were great jim marshall to me is the most important viking ever he came to us one week before we started the season against the bears he had played a year in canada i think he played a year for the cleveland browns right and he got sick and when he came to came to play with us i think he weighed 215 and when we played the bears that day He never missed a game. He never in eight in what nineteen twenty years that he played, never missed a game. Always the same. Always played great. Always practiced great. Greatest teammate you could possibly have. But we had a whole lot of them. You know, Mick Tinglehoff, my center, and you know my roommate Grady Alderman, and and then you have Chuck Foreman, and then we got Ahmad Rashad at the end, and Ahmad is still one of my great friends. Just a great group of people across the board. And I could go on and on and name names and names and names. But uh, they built the foundation for the Minnesota Vikings. And there's no other team in professional football that has a better foundation than we do. And I'm telling you, we've got two owners. And I've gotten to know the Wilf brothers. Mm-hmm. They are great. They are great. They, you know, they're, I think their father only died a few years ago. And he was in his 90s. And, right. And they came into this country with nothing. They built in the real estate, construction, real estate, whatever they did. They knocked the cover off the ball. They are as good of owners as there are. You know why? Because they know that they never played football. That's not their gig. They were business people. And they make sure they go out and hire a good, a great general manager and a great coach and let them go and run the team without their interference. That makes them great owners. And our guys, I told them the other night, you're lucky you got owners like this because all the owners aren't that good. Fran, there's no slowing you down. At 83, uh, you got us all inspired just to keep going, man. (laughs) Honest to God. It's fun. It's fun. We just got to keep going and and we got to get better, man. Yeah, Mark, we got to we got to get better. And I and I like our team. I think uh, yeah, I think we got great players. I think I know we got great owners, great coaches, great trainers. You know, another one, Fred Zambrelletti, mm. Stubby. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not Ryan. They're, they're all the foundation, and these guys. You know, they uh, uh, they they they. I love this team. I love being with them the other night, uh, and they were howling and yelling and screaming, and I. But it was just. That, that's what we got to do. We got to be all in and we got to go out and be the best teammates there are in the world. Well, Fran, appreciate your time so much. Great hearing your voice. And uh, thanks for the inspirational chat today. My pleasure. Thanks. 
Well, thanks again to Fran for joining the show tonight. Always a pleasure to connect with the one and only Fran Tarkinen at 83, still going stronger than ever. All right, Pete, now season of first this past Sunday, I absolutely took the cake. And there's so much to run through uh, from what started out with Kirk Cousins' uh, season-ending injury, Jaron Hall going to get the start. All of a sudden, he gets hurt in a, in a matter of series or two. Joshua Dobbs, who showed up here uh, Wednesday, I think after getting traded on Tuesday, on a couple days' notice comes in and ends up leading the team to this unlikely victory after a really rough start. How do you even put the pieces together mm-hmm. and how they manage to pull this off? Um, you know, I, I think you talk about culture and you talk about a team and, you know, you hear those things in the offseason, right? You hear those things when you draft. This guy's going to be a good fit for our program and what we're trying to do here. That was all put to the test. The only way that you can explain everything that was done was the fact that this team has the right attitude, they have the right culture, and they care about each other. This team had so many excuses to lose. You can see teams that when they have an excuse to lose, they usually do because it's so hard to win in the NFL. This team, I mean, not only did you lose your quarterback, you lost your starting left tackle. Mm -hmm. You had no idea that he was going to play. Everybody to a person, and that's from the equipment managers to the trainers to the coaches to the players – They all stepped up and carried the slack, and they just did what they needed to do to get through it. And I think it's it's just a humongous statement. And what Fran said about Kevin O'Connell, I think, is is very true. You brought him in because he's you know he's a quarterback. He knows that position. It's the most important position in sports. That's who you want to have leading this team, and it was needed. But everybody else, from Flores and the defense to 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 the special teams. Everybody picked up the slack, and they found a way to beat a good a good Atlanta team. And it it's just incredible that put to that kind of a test, that much adversity, they were still able to hang in there and get it done. We will for sure see a lot of number 15 purple jerseys in the stands on Sunday afternoon. A wound-up, fired-up crowd when Joshua Dobbs is introduced. The Vikings yeah, are going to be nuts. It'll be crazy. A game over 500. How about that? And looking to continue their playoff push. Once again at U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday, it's a noon kickoff locally on KMSP Fox 9. Of course, you can also catch the game right here on all across the Vikings radio network and look for those local listings for details. Pete, always a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, fans, for tuning into another edition of Skull Stories, presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.